Bearcat Blitz, another week, another show, another pair of shows coming your way as Cincinnati has just three games remaining in a season that I'm sure fans are, I, I, if I were a fan of this team, I would just be apathetic at this point. It's a seventh straight loss considering the longest losing streak this century. No end in sight as the Bearcats are underdogs again this coming weekend with two road trips before the final home game and final game of the year against Kansas. Got my co-host with me, Dominic Goodman, across the way. I'm your host of Bearcat Blitz, wherever you're catching podcasts. Russ Heltman, your all-Bearcats reporter. You can, of course, catch us on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Talking Cats with Russ Heltman. You can watch us there on the YouTube page and, of course, on Bally Sports each and every weekend. Got a lot of people sending me pictures. I got pictures coming at me from 30 miles south in Kentucky all the way to 40 miles north up in Springfield, Ohio. We're getting getting action and getting eye, eyeballs on us all over the place, Dominic. So that's really good to see. And unfortunately for this Bearcats team, a lot of people tuned in to another loss this past weekend, 28-26. I think it's the fourth time this year, Dominic, that Overall net success rates have favored the Bearcats in a game where they have lost. It's just the same stuff, the same story each and every week. We'll dive into it in just a moment after a message from our good sponsor, Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. You see Bearcats getting ready to roll at 9 p.m. on Monday. UIC Flames in town to start the non-conference slate for Wes Miller's crew. You can make a wager on that on Bet Online. It remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops, betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Remember that promo code is Believe, B L E A V. Dominic. 28-26, a third time this year. I don't know if I will ever cover a team in the history of my career, Dominic, that goes three outings in a season with multiple 100-yard rushers and loses all three because that's exactly what happened again against UCF. Cincinnati drops the game 28-26, brutal, brutal fashion. They run for 248 yards, another dominant day on the ground. But once again, the quarterback question remains the same. The quarterback position refuses to execute and cannot execute in timely manner, in a timely fashion. And then you have the same issues basically on the defensive side of the ball mixed in with a rather bad day from the defensive front. Only five pressures, didn't get enough pressure on John Reese Plumley. On the flip side, UC gives up five sacks, some on the offensive line, some on Emory Jones. All in all, another game where you look at the stats, you look at the scoreboard, Dominic, and it just doesn't make sense. Man, at this moment, man, put me in, coach. Put me in, man. Put me in. I got, I got, I got one solid year. Just give me a whole year of training. Give him his COVID year. Give him his COVID year right here. Give my COVID year, man. At this time, I, I, I can play right now. If you need me, I'm down the street, twenty minutes away. You oh man. Oh man. Ah. Uh, I'm glad we're still having fun, Dom. That's the key. Uh, Fighting through it. We're still having fun. I, I, man. I mean, this is the worst season in this century for the Bearcats, and especially just the way it's happening. This so close, yet so far for two weeks, and then you get blown out. 
And then you go so close yet so far for two weeks again. And then it's another blowout. And then now so close yet so far against the UCF team that just like you was winless. 0-5 entering this game in conference. I mean, let's just start with the quarterback position, Dom. How did you feel about the way they handled the position, about the way that they used Emory Jones for 61 snaps compared to just 11 snaps for Brady Lichtenberg? They pull him for some reason after he completes the only middle of the field really target in the game. They, they rarely throw the ball in the middle of the field ever. They completed two passes there, or excuse me, they had two targets there all game long, and one of them gets completed to Xavier Henderson on Brady Lichtenberg's final snap of the game. Henderson fumbles the football. So am I supposed to believe that if Henderson doesn't fumble the football there, they're going to yank Brady Lichtenberg out in the middle of the drive and put Emory Jones in? Was there an 11-play snap count? It's just I'm getting animated now, Dominic, because I really want to back this staff. I really want to understand the vision and understand what they're trying to accomplish, but I don't get it at this point. What were you accomplishing playing Emory Jones for 61 snaps in a game that you ultimately lost on Saturday and, more importantly, lost any chance of having those coveted 15 extra bowl practices to go into bowl season with and get more on the same page with this group. Now the season is going to end on the last weekend of November. No more practices the rest of the year. No more chances to get better. And you just lost a premier chance against a not great defense to give your younger quarterbacks some reps, reps that they can now never get back. I did not understand it one bit. What about you, Dominic? Oh, man. Um. From a coach's aspect, I understand. I get it. You just trying to get a win, and hey, it's to be honest, Emory didn't play too bad in the beginning of the series. He ain't do too bad. I mean, you gave him a, gave the young bull, gave the young guy a shot, um, Lichtenberg, but um, it was just one of those things. Like, okay, as a coach, my friend is a guy I brought in. I promised him the world, and it's a senior, senior last last chance you type deal. I'm going to give him his go. He ain't playing too bad. Let's see if we can pull out a win with him. But now, I, I, after this game, I'm just at the point, same as you. Like, you know what? You got to just scrap it. Just scrap it. Bump it. If you don't win, you don't win. What's the worst that can happen? You get what I mean? So, I just feel like now well, you got Tom, is there no chance now of locker room question marks? Of the locker room questioning why this player is continuing to get this many opportunities when I have laid it out perfectly. We've dug, dug into it ad nauseum over the past couple of weeks, how Emory Jones has not played a good football game since the first game of the year. He has not played an all around good football game. He's played average for eight straight weeks. I mean, average is obviously not cutting it. It's not cutting it enough, especially when you think about how dominant the run game has been, how dominant the rushing attack has been, how little Emory Jones has given you on that front, averaging less than four yards a carry this season. Like, at some point, how many are the guys going to be looking around wondering, why am I not playing? Why? What? What is the? What is the plan? That's my question. I just I'm struggling to understand the plan at this point when. You said that you were going to maybe get somebody some reps, but how are you supposed to evaluate anything Brady Lichtenberg does or evaluate him at all going forward if he gets only 11 snaps? How are you supposed to evaluate that? I mean, it's one of them things in the locker room as, as a player, you know how it goes. It's also, you, you learn the business aspect of it. Like, this is a transfer, yeah. it's a senior. He's going to give him his shot, give him his go. And, and so, right, you do have that feeling as that backup quarterback or that guy, you like, shoot, if he messing up, shoot, I could do the same thing. Right. What, what's, the, what's the difference? 
But it is that the same thing? I think that's what's going on. And um, and I understand. I always, as a person, respect coaches' decisions, especially when you got seniority and stuff like that. Because if you get put in that situation, you kind of you kind of have that heartfelt moment. But at the same time, right now, like especially after that game, it's like, bro, just let's just chalk it up, cut it, and let's just get ready for next year. Because I think that's where the focal point need to be on. How what, how are we gonna attack? Are we gonna attack it next year with? Transfers again, or we just gonna do it the old-fashioned way? Pick up a whole bunch of recruits, pick up some JUCO guys, and just develop players for the for the third season. Who, who is is that's that's how I feel where UC should go right now to that to that kind of focus of just get ready for the next season. Yeah, speaking of the trend of the recruiting class, we haven't really talked recruiting at all in this podcast because it's been the thick of the season. But you're sitting at a 42nd overall ranking right now in the 2024 class. Um, 23 hard commits right now, according to 24 uh, seven sports where I'm getting those numbers from. So 23 commits at this point, dominant. That's a pretty hefty class. I'm pretty sure it's one of the biggest classes in the entire Big 12 as we speak right now. So that's that I think I could get behind that plan. I think at where you are now. The first year under Satterfield, you lost a lot of recruits. You had to really fill in the, the gaps with a lot of transfers, maybe some guys that you might not have looked at as a normal cultural fit. You had to make some room for because you just had to get some kind of talent anywhere to fill those spots. But now maybe Satterfield, maybe this recruiting staff, it looks like they're starting to kind of recruit for culture, recruit for development, and recruit to kind of build a base and build something, any kind of foundation because – there isn't really one to go off of right now. And it's hard, I think, to get that if you just are constantly going after guys that might have a little bit more of their own agenda in the transfer portal as opposed to fresh recruits who you can kind of mold on your own and all that stuff. But speaking of recruits, I mean, the youth movement just it, it didn't really happen last week. We had, of course, Kalen Carroll, for that matter, did get in. He did play OK to not. I mean, he was okay for his first start of this of his career i believe that was i would say it was an okay performance graded sub 60 but was solid in coverage close to a 70 overall pff grade in coverage from kaylin carroll and he, and he was solid as a young guy but overall just i didn't see in a lot of guys getting in that i thought would see extended time and especially dom i mean you got four games to use on barry jackson this year according to the red shirt letter of the law and they wasted barry jackson's Second game in that redshirt stint with two snaps. He made one play, Dom, 25-yard design play for Barry Jackson. He makes every he gets every yard possible out of that play and doesn't see the field the rest of the game. That just it just makes no sense. I just don't understand the, the plan here. I don't understand the, the the plan for that player's redshirt. Why would you waste one of those games on two snaps? Why not let him make some more plays? See if he can give you anything. Maybe sit Xavier Henderson. Maybe sit D Wiggins. Maybe sit any of these receivers outside of Braden Smith, who played well on Saturday. Everybody else was ultimately not very good at all. They did not perform up to stuff. When you look at the offensive grading. I mean, D. Wiggins has been bad all year. He was bad again on Saturday, graded at a 54.8 overall, not getting open enough. Aaron Turner, 55.2 overall. Is Xavier Henderson, 53.8 overall. None of these guys are getting open, yet they're seeing 67, 42, and Turner had 18 snaps in Saturday's game. The performances of the players starting are not matching the level of play they are earning and ultimately getting on the field. And it's just, you're running out of time, man. 
you are running out of time and you're running out of snaps for younger players to see what they truly have and tying it all up on the quarterback position. I mean, Brady Drogosh has played less than 10 snaps all year, less than 10 snaps all year. You can preserve his red shirt the rest of the season. You can play him in all three of these games. You could start him. I'm not, not going to do that, but <laughs> there has to be a plan to get your four-star freshman quarterback on the field. You have to figure out a plan for this position, Dom, as we talked about on Thursday. There is no plan right now. There hasn't been a set ingrained plan since Desmond Ritter left the program, and the position is flying in the breeze right now. No idea anyone has, I'm sure, of who is going to be taking that first snap as a starter next season when the 2024 season kicks off. And that, to me, getting the young guys playing time and especially figuring out what the plan is going to be at quarterback, whether that's thinking you have enough and thinking you have enough trust in Brady Drogosh or one of the Bradys to take the reins, or worst case scenario in my eyes, Dom, is you have to go back to the transfer portal and do this song and dance again as a mid-tier program hunting in those waters and having to take the leftovers of the top-tier programs that the best transfers at that position are going to go to because they know they have a chance to win titles or they have a chance to make it to the league. And right now, Cincinnati's situation has not shown you an ability to do either of those things. I mean, it's, uh, I'm I'm more I'm more saying like just put me in coach at the receiver position because I'm like man, um, I mean the room has to be awful, Dom. Like the young, the, nobody else. Like the room is, it's as bad as we thought it was. Let's be honest, it's performed yeah. as bad as we thought it might going into the season. There was a little bit of optimism. There was a little ray of light, like oh look at how these guys are performing in fall camp. They were performing that great, Dom, because there was fish on the line in fall camp on the oh, other side of the bro. football. And we didn't even talk about how bad the secondary was again on Saturday. I mentioned Kalen Carroll, but Jordan Young, liability, had another PI on, on, on Saturday, was once again a bottom three graded player on the defense. He is just every single week getting picked on. 42.6 overall grade, gave up two catches, or excuse me, three catches for 78 yards on four targets. It's just, it's it's 75% in this week, 80% target, target in coverage in the next week. The dude's just an abject liability. Antoine Peake Jr., another younger player who is a legacy, has been at – he wasn't even a scholarship player or anything this season. And has – I mean, I, I don't want to throw stones at him, but he's not playing like a guy that should be getting the first opportunity off the bench in the secondary. He's just not. He's not. Well, and I, I don't know how that changes. We'll see if it changes. But the secondary, it kind of feels just like a lost cause at this point, Dom. Just throw out whatever you can out there. But the quarterback position, you don't know what you have at this point there. And that, to me, has to be the top goal over the final three games of the season that Scott Satterfield said, we're going to continue trying to win. I get that. I get that you have to say that to the media. I get all that. But that should not be the plan inside the building. The plan should be seeing what you have at each position, whether that means you have to give up a couple big touchdowns because you see what an Oliver Bridges or another younger guy in this secondary has that you haven't tried it out there yet. Because I think of it like this. I think, first of all, the depth, they have no depth. That's what's it's obvious is evidence. There's no depth in, the, in, in none of the position rooms. Um, second. Except um, for running back. That's about it. Yeah, running back. They got depth for days. But um, but second in that, as far as quarterback-wise, receiver play. Guys ain't getting open. Guys ain't catching the ball. Guys ain't making the plays they need to be. It causes a lot of things with the quarterback holding the ball and then allows the defense to sit back and pin their ears, sit in the house and play man-to-man. And I think they don't want to – with that happening, you don't want to put a young quarterback in there yeah, and have him point. teed off on holding the ball and stuff like that. 
So it, it's a situation where I just think as a collective group, it's just like they just got to get better in all positions and all phases of the game. Um, and and I think they're going to really sit back this offseason and really reflect on what positions need what. And, and, and it's obvious the secondary, the DBs, the corners, they need cornerbacks. I feel like they need bigger, longer cornerbacks. Um, they need some more more receivers in that receiver room to make people compete, more quarterbacks and make everybody compete. And I think that's the biggest focus point for coming up this season. And it's just frustrating just seeing it time after time after time with explosive plays. We're not making explosive plays. But in the run game, we find we solid. But you got to be able to pass the ball, make explosive plays. I mean, you can yep. run the ball for so long, but you got to be able to at least get over 180, 100, at least 200 yards pass. If you get 200 yards passing in this league, you're going to be a successful offense. But And that's what's not happening. They can't pass the ball. Ten explosive runs, uh, explosive run uh, dictate is dictated by ten plus yard runs or more. Ten for the Bearcats on Saturday. Brady Lichtenberg had one explosive pass. Emory Jones had four. It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. It has to be better, and it's just it's it's clearly not going to get much better the rest of the year. Not that it really matters, as the Bearcats bowl streak ends at six years, five six years, I believe, dating back to the 2018 season. First year coach ends it in 2017, or I think it was already it was already in the in the de- in the dumps in terms of the end of the, of the Tuberville era. But no bowl in the first season of Luke Fickle era. Not going to be a bowl in the first season of the Scott Satterfield era. And we'll see how they rebound after that. We'll touch on some positive things. I want to touch on that running game. Give some give some flowers to the guys that did perform well this weekend. Can't be all negative after. Uh, it's it's tough to tough to not be negative all the way around from seven straight losses following a two and zero start, just a complete flip of, flip of the script in the 2023 Bearcats football season. He's Dominic Goodman. I'm Russ Elvin. We'll be back on Bearcat Blitz in just a moment. Bearcat Blitz, thank you so much for checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts, watching us on Talking Cats with Russ Heltman, or tuned in on Bally Sports Ohio. He's Dominic Goodman, former UC wide receiver. I'm Russ Heltman on a day where just more of the same for the Cincinnati football team. They had a better net success rate and a loss. Once again, I believe that's the fourth time it's happened. or It's definitely the third, maybe the fourth time it's happened in this seven-game losing streak. Just stealing an L from the hands of victory each and every week. One way they did not do that, though, Dom, was in the run game. I mean, the run game was fantastic once again. Emory Jones, outside of him being a disaster on the ground, 10 carries for negative five or 10 carries for five yards. Obviously, a few of those having to do with sacks, five sacks on the day for UCF. That was not great out of the UC offensive line, but two or three of those in my eyes were on Emory Jones. One of them was on the receiving core for not getting open quick enough. I mean, there were a couple covered sacks in this game and it's just crazy, Dom, 114 yards and a touchdown for Corey Kiner, 113 yards and a touchdown for Ryan Montgomery. I believe that was a career high for Ryan Montgomery and his return from injury. So great to see him back and a great outing for Ryan. He had a few explosive plays on the day. I mean, the whole entire running back room really ate well. The offensive line was moving well. 
They did exactly what we thought they might do to the 127th ranked UCF run defense in terms of EPA rush allowed. Very, very impressed with how that could be, Dom, a really great foundation point for this offense, for this team moving forward. It's just you got to nail quarterback. I think bringing Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Caldwell over from Louisville has been a really maybe the best hire Scott Satterfield has made this this first go around in his first year with the team. But you got to figure out the quarterback. And I think once you figure out the quarterback, you're going to help some of those pass protection issues. And on top of that, figuring out wide receiver, you're going to help some of those pass protection issues as well. Oh, man. I mean, that's a good focal point going on for the next season. I think that's been the strongest point this whole season is a run game. So that's good to even sit back and have good hopes on because you got to establish the run. Uh, that's the first and foremost thing. Um, and second, it's, it's, man, it's just tough just being on an offense where y'all moving the ball, being successful, and you just can't make those throws because the guy's not getting open or uh, or holding it because he was scared of pressure or just not being able to complete the complete the mediocre balls. You know, you get what I'm saying? But it's just something that time and time again we sit back and harp on. But like I do, we like you said, be positive. I mean, Brandon Smith made some big plays in that game as well. Yeah, Braden was Braden was very good on on Saturday. Braden Smith was actually the third highest graded player on the team according to PFF. Went John Williams, best game of John Williams' career at left tackle. I thought he was fantastic. Really great road grader on Saturday. Uh, graded out as an 82.5 run blocker was the highest mark on the team. So really good stuff out of him. Then Montgomery went Braden Smith at number three, Corey Kiner at number four, and Gavin Gerhart. Another solid game for Gavin. He's starting to pick up some steam and come into his own a little bit as a, as a second-year starter at center. So there's your top five guys and the guys that did end up getting graded a 75 or better. But as you mentioned, Braden Smith, he was very good on Saturday. Very, very good. Not great as a returner. Continues to be some issues there. But led the team with six catches for 114 yards on uh, on six targets. Caught every one of his targets. That's what this team needs more of out of its wide receivers. Just guys making plays on balls that aren't necessarily right in the breadbasket. Braden Smith was able to do that on Saturday. So, yeah, Don Barry, very impressed by Braden. But it's just like, did they, did they leave? Did they take out Barry Jackson because Braden Smith was playing well? And if that's the case, that's malpractice. That can't be the reason you don't get the young guy any run is because you got Braden Smith playing well. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I I should have looked this up for the show. I'm pretty sure he might have one year of eligibility left, or this might be his last year of eligibility in college for Braden Smith. So it's just, it's another one of those yin yang pull push scenarios of trying to stick with the veterans to see if they can lift you out of this morass versus trying to go with the, the, the youth. And it's, I mean, that's gotta be a really tough thing to, to, to judge gauge and try to figure out mid season Dom is, you go into this year with this plan. You go in with all these high hopes of, hey, we're going to give people some tough games. We're going to win some games. We're going to lose some games. But you know what? We're going to end up at five or six wins with a chance at least at the end of the year to punch our ticket to a bowl game. And you get to this point in the year, especially in a year, Dom, where, as I mentioned, there's been multiple games where the Bearcats should have won if they don't make key penalties like they did on Saturday, if they don't make key turnovers like they did a couple weeks ago. One thing after another, it's one little misstep here, one other little misstep there. They've been in so many of these games, and they got to feel like they are technically so close. But overall, you're two and seven, and that's kind of left you with this limbo position with three games left. Yeah, um, man, 
<laughs> just stay positive. So I don't just it's just um I mean it's difficult because it's like like the Jackson, he played well, but you also gotta think about things too as well. Um practice, right. you know, practice, you know, you he could have had a bad practice on one day and that determined where they like, we're gonna roll with the veteran. We're not gonna he still don't know what he's doing. And when he gets in there, he does his thing, and then you like, oh snap, but let's just continue rolling with the veteran. Uh, I think it's just a scenario where um, he got a lot of his guys, the veterans, it's his guys, people who came from Louisville with him, guys that he uh, brought from the transfer portal. So you make those promises as a as a coach, and it's just like a it's just like a, like your girlfriend you've been with for ten years, and you, and then you got your side piece, and you over here you making a promise to your man, like listen, girl, I love you. I care for you, but you just ain't making plays. But I'm going to see it through. I'm going to see it through. But why are you telling the side piece? Years is almost over. It's almost over. Just be patient. So I think it's a scenario where just trying to be good on his word and also show respect and show um, show his support to his the veteran guys he got in and just go and roll with them. That's what I think was happening. That's what I think was going to happen. And that's why we ain't seeing so much changes from these positions i can i can agree with that logic as to why things aren't happening dom can definitely <laughs> agree with that don't know if i agree with the decision making at all in terms of the actual logic going into it but i can agree that that is the logic being used logically the bearcats as i mentioned three weeks ago i said i, I would see the bearcats winning maybe one more game i don't know if we might see a win at all the rest of the year they might just straight up end on a 10 game losing streak which would be unbelievable at the beginning of the year to say that but it's not even close to unbelievable now. They are a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Houston, 56.5% ESPN matchup predictor favorite are the Rockets – or not the Rockets, the, the Cougars <laughs> to win that game. Thinking about uh, thinking about uh, Dylan Brooks and the NBA Rockets right there. And then the next week at West Virginia, they are a 73% underdog. West Virginia, a 73% ESPN matchup favorite to win that one. And then they welcome in Kansas, who is a 63% favorite to win that road game in Nippert Stadium. The computer's not liking the Bearcats to get a win the rest of the year. We'll break down how they can get that monkey off their back this coming weekend with the Thursday show ahead of a projected close affair at night, 7 p.m. kickoff Eastern time against the Houston Cougars. For Dominic Goodman, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz. Thank you all so much for making us your choice on the Believe Network. Stay tuned for the rest of the week and beyond for more Bearcat Blitz presented by Bet Online. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.